Please always consult with your physicians prior to making any changes to your treatment plan. Welcome to Living with Scanxiety, the cancer podcast, a podcast geared to help you navigate the pediatric cancer world. As a mother of a child who battled a soft tissue sarcoma for over a year, your host, Rosaria Kozar, understands and will help guide you through your journey. She brings the knowledge of experts, families, survivors, and other organizations tied to the pediatric cancer world to your doorstep. Her mission is to inform, support, and promote hope for you and your family. I'm the only one of the five that has actually had cancer. Everybody that's connected to the center, all the therapists have some personal experience with it. My advantage is having lived in that body with those treatments. You know, I can really help people get through those treatments. I can, you know, tell them what's, you know, what's realistic, how they're going to manage it, how to do it. Um, Always with the idea of getting everybody functional. I mean, that's, that's the whole process. This is Rosaria Kozar and... I am here with Dr. Frances Baumgarten, and she is president and founder of the clinical and clinical leader of the Center for Cancer Counseling. So I'm going to let her introduce herself. She is here today um, to talk about some amazing clinical work she's done, and she's also uh, a two-time survivor of cancer herself. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Rosaria. So nice to be here. Thanks. Um, Well, I guess I'll start at the beginning, maybe how this whole thing happened. So um, I had cancer twice in the 90s. And the second time that I recovered, I had already been a clinical psychologist for quite a few years. Um, I kept getting all these referrals for people wanting services because I had made it through um, a ton of treatment. I had had a lot of chemo. I had a stem cell transplant, radiation, tons of surgeries. And so the docs kept sending me people to kind of help because I, I guess they thought I did such a great job through the treatments. I drove them crazy, basically. Um, and people kept, you know, people kept coming and I had a private practice that I had to keep going. And so I needed a way to help people that couldn't afford to pay for services or couldn't afford their copay with their insurance. So I went to a couple of colleagues and I said, listen, I really need a nonprofit. We need a way to provide free service where we can, you know, get donations have fundraisers, because if you knocked at my door, I couldn't say no to you. I mean, here I was alive on a 50-50 chance I wouldn't be. And it was kind of like, well, I have these skill sets. So what what am I supposed to do, right? Um, And so they helped me start the center. We started in 2000. And since then, we've grown. We're five therapists. Three are bilingual. Um, We do all the services that the hospital support systems don't do. So we do individual, family, couples therapy. Uh, We have specialized grief therapies, um, play therapy. Um, I see all of the kids and the families with children because that is an expertise in my background. Um, Prior to COVID, we were doing home and hospital visits. So basically, if you couldn't get to us, we came to you. Um, And since COVID, we've all been working remotely. Um, and we've been able to stay alive. We're a small group. We're kind of a boutique practice, um, which is nice. We're all, and we're all independent therapists. So each of, each and every one of us has our own private practice. And we spend part of our time uh, working for a much, much reduced rate um, for the center. And um, yeah, so 
I don't know what else, you, what other questions or where you want me to go from here. I mean, I could talk for forever, so <laughs> jump in. <laughs> no, that's great that you um, had this, you know, epiphany almost from your own experience to open up and help cancer patients because one of the worst things are the fiscal responsibilities that come with cancer. So the fact that you offer this is amazing. And you're located in California. Do you branch outside of there? Unfortunately, we don't. We're all licensed in California. And so we can only provide services in California. But I do consults. So if a therapist will call me from another state that has a patient that never has really dealt with cancer, um, you know, I can I can be there and help them and walk them through some of the things. I mean, I'm the only one of the five that has actually had cancer. Everybody that's connected to the center, all the therapists have some personal experience with it. My advantage is having lived in that body with those treatments. You know, I can really help people get through those treatments. I can, you know, tell them what's, you know, what's realistic, how they're going to manage it, how to do it. Um, always with the idea of getting everybody functional. I mean, that's, that's the whole process is we want you to be able to kind of manage the treatments, have great communication with your doctors, and then, you know, deal with not just the emotional and the psychological, but all the physical changes that come, you know, to your body and your lifestyle and all of that. But it's great to hear that you do the consult. And I was wondering, in the sessions, you have cancer patients of all ages, and you can have their family members. You talked about that. But what are your goals in these sessions? Well, it, it really all matters where you are in the trajectory of the disease. So, mm-hmm. you know, our first goal is to really be able to provide a place where people can come in and just free to say whatever they want, because a lot of times you mm-hmm. can't share your most inner deepest thoughts with your family. Everybody's trying to protect everybody. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a real safe haven where you can just say how, whatever you feel, whatever you're thinking. And, you know, we're not afraid to deal with any of those issues or to go to any of those places with anybody. So our first arena is just to provide that environment where, okay, you know, you can just really be honest about what's going on. And then, um, you know, the goal is always helping you have a different outlook, reframe things, find things in life that are worthwhile, you know, learn how to kind of use your um, thought patterns, your cognitions to you know, to not necessarily always focus on how you're feeling, how to function beyond that. So I talk a lot about living in a parallel world when you have cancer. You know, you have your life that you've been in, and then you have this additional piece of this disease that, you know, um, you is a chronic disease that you have to take care of for forever. Um, and so fi- finding a way for them to live together, how do you live in both worlds? And how do you not give up your whole life to just what this disease demands because of the treatments and the medical and the time. So that's real tricky. And that's, I think, the big goal of mine is helping people kind of keep their lives moving forward as they take care of the disease and all the things that go along with it. When we talk about terminal and you're you're working with somebody that is a terminal patient, how do you suggest the parallel forms for them or worlds, so to speak? Well, for terminal patients, some of the goal is, you know, having them really talk about their lives and the things, you know, I mean, if we talk about different ages, so it's different with the 
children. And of course it is with the adults. If we talk about adults, you know, it's really, it's really allowing them a space to talk about their lives so far and the things that they're really proud of, and maybe some of the things that they regret. And if there's anything they want to do that they haven't done in their relationships. Um, and then it's about getting, you know, and, and of course, accepting what's going on and being able to talk about dying and what that means and what they want and all of that arena and, ha- and really, you know, enabling them, you know, to be able to talk to their families about those same discussions, to be able to be upfront and talk about it. Um, and for a lot of the adults, it's about writing letters to their children, whether they're adult children or, you know, younger. So it's that whole process. Um, and then it's about getting somebody who's terminal to live each and every day. Like once, once we get through that, then it's okay. If you wake up in the morning and you open your eyes, you've got a day. What are you going to do with it? How are you not going to waste it? How are you going to mm-hmm. use it? Um, and I, I, I joke with everybody. I, I say to them, you know, during my treatments, cause I share a lot because I've been there, you know, um, and I had some really hairy times during treatments. And when I'd wake up in the morning, I'd open my eyes and say, okay, well, I'm still here for the day. So I better do something. It's like, I'm not going to give the whole day to cancer. If I can help it, if there's anything I can do, I'm going to squeeze out some little piece for me, even if it's only, you know, watching the soccer game, whatever it is, um, just being very stubborn and deliberate about that. You know, I still have this day. And also I think, you know, it's, it's, it's working a little differently too. So for the patient who's terminal, it's about you know, them taking care of their family at that point, them focusing on what does their family need. And, you know, and for the family, it's really about being there for the patient. You know, it's kind of like this back and forth um, and letting them, let, letting, letting them accept whatever the patient decides they want for, for the final time. I noticed in that last segment talking about the terminal uh, aspects, you also personified cancer. Can you tell me, does that help patients or what is the purpose? Well, cancer is, I mean, when you're a cancer patient or a family member, I mean, it really is a big part of your life. And so it is, it is there, you know, and it's, and it's living and it, it, it affects every, every part of it. So it does become part of your identity. There's no way around it. you're in treatments, your body's changed, especially if you're terminal. I mean, it's, it's there, it's an active live thing. And so learning, to deal with it in whatever way that you need to, um, to kind of have your life also. And it is this parallel life. So, you know, it, it does become now, you know, part of your very existence every single day. Um, and I think the other way, I use a lot of visualizations. And so the other way that I visualize it is your, you know, your life prior to cancer is kind of like your fist closed. It's like a circle. It's like, like an O. And when you have cancer, the cancer just covers it completely. It takes over everything because it becomes the immediate thing that needs taken care of the doctor visits, all the scans. I mean, there's almost no time for anything else when you're, at least when you're first diagnosed. And for me, the process of, of kind of managing the disease and living with it forever is having the cancer retreat where your O life. Now it retreats to a cue where it's kind of like the stem on your life. It's always mm-hmm. there. It really changes who you are for forever. You're never the same. Always something's a little different. Um, but you get you gain back. You know, you learn to live in your life for the most part. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if that helps explain, answer your question. It does. And I'm actually sitting here doing the <laughs> fist with the thing covering, like visualizing along with you. So no, that was a perfect way of personifying. The reason behind the personification and then the visual, I think, is an amazing aspect. So you have 30 years experience. It's obvious. Just uh, talking to you here. I know you've written two books. Uh, do you want to get into oh and I, I want to ask you and it makes sure that everybody knows that these things and services that you offer are free. Yes. Yes, all our services are free of charge. Exactly. Yeah. So does your nonprofit how do you get the funds to pay the volunteers? So um the only people that get paid are the clinicians. So if you work for an hour, if you see a patient, you get paid because clinicians work by the hour, as everybody knows. And, you know, there's just so many hours you can work for free. Everything else we do is volunteer work. So like I do all the admin work for the center um, Mm -hmm. and and it's all free of charge. There's no there's no administrative cost. Our only out expenses are to pay the clinicians for their clinical hour. It's about 95 percent of the money we bring in. And the insurance we need to carry on our phone, little incidentals. Um, yes. But we have no overhead. So the way that I set it up, Rosaria, is that each of us, since we have private practices, we see center patients in our own offices. So there's no rent. There's no overhead of any cost whatsoever. And this way, the clinicians are more readily available because otherwise they'd be running somewhere to see a patient or two and have to get back to their office in that travel time. I'd rather them use that to go to the hospital or go to somebody's house if they have to. So mm-hmm. th- the systems worked really well. Um, you know, I mean, in that way that we've been able to keep our costs down. The way we get our funds is through fundraisers, through people that can donate. So not everybody that gets referred to the center has financial difficulties um, mm-hmm. because of our reputation and because of everybody that knows us. So for those people, we ask them to please make a donation as they can, if they can. Our real mm-hmm. purpose is to be there for people that can't afford. Mm-hmm. And so when people can afford, they're very happy to give, to know that they're kind of getting the service and they're paying for somebody else to get the same service. So it's really, it's very sweet in a lot of ways. And so we've had some very loyal do- donors through the years just because of that. They feel like they're paying forward and they're getting this, you're getting they're getting the same service. Um, so it it ends up being really sweet. And and we also get some, we also have some brands that we get. Um, and I think the biggest piece, because we're small and boutique, we're really trying to look for more corporate donors because if we can keep people working during the process of when they have cancer or their, their child or their partner um, and help them be in the workplace and help them make that separation for the day. Um, you know, so that's really, I think the other really big, plus that we can add to the system yeah absolutely i think what you do is amazing and when i came across you on i think it was instagram what's your instagram handle don't ask me somebody else takes care of it (laughs) i don't do any of the social media (laughs) all right so what we will do is in the show notes on my website make sure you check it out and below the um, advertisement uh, or we'll call it an advertisement for her episode. 
We will make sure that the Instagram handle is there for you. So I found them on Instagram. You can too. And like she's saying, Dr. Fran is saying, this is free. So if you have trouble affording it, like many do, um, and some don't, but they all have the specialty in this, um, check it out, especially since you're in California, um, where specifically in California, just San Diego or the whole, the whole state. Awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. Tip to tip. So tell me about these two books that you wrote. Well, I wrote one book and one article. So the book is called losing mom and it's a, uh, it's a family journey basically. And I wrote that because early on in my, in the cancer world, I was um, a clinical director for Komen Kids. At that point, Susan Komen had a kids program here in California. A young, a young kid, John, actually started the program when his mom was diagnosed because he didn't want to go to a therapist. So he started this peer-to-peer program. And they had, us, they had some of us professionals come and lead the support groups and things. And so in that, I worked with a lot of kids whose parents were terminal. And, um, and I had, I mean, I had a lot of experience with kids anyway, but uh, that book really addressed what the kids and from all ages, from, you know, the ages of eight, all the way through adulthood, what their needs are and what they go through when a parent is diagnosed. And, and it's a novel written in a way that hopefully people can see different things that they can do to help their family. um, If they have a parent that's dying. Yeah. The second thing is an article I wrote. I wrote it for a handbook of childhood cancer survivors. And I wrote it from a clinical perspective, uh, from the kids that I work with and their parents and what some of their needs are and some of the things that I, you know, learned through the years about working with families and kids who, you know, had survived cancer treatments. That's great that you've put that out there because that allows people around the world to really tap into um, that article, actually the book as well, but the article, because this podcast is about childhood yes. cancer. Yes. <laughs> so they can uh, definitely get a hold of that. And how would they get a hold of that? They probably can, um, they probably can Google the handbook of, um, yeah, they probably can Google it if it's on the notes. So I would imagine that they can and then pull that article up. Yeah. Um, so that's resiliency in childhood cancer survivors. Yeah. A clinical. Yes. Yeah. We usually shift uh, during this part of the episode to a little bit more lighthearted topic. And I just ask you some questions and um, you try to answer in one word or a phrase. So the first one is in one sentence, and I tell everybody try not to have a run on. Um, <laughs> uh, what would you consider your life's mission to be? really just to enjoy what I'm doing and be with my family. That's yeah. fantastic. I like that. Cats or dogs? Neither. <laughs> then what animal? <laughs> uh, if I have to, a dog. <laughs> I'm forced into it. <laughs> they do take a lot of time up. My dog is a second or third child. Seriously. It's... um. She takes up a lot of time, but we love her. And the next question is, what TV show or movie represents your life right now? I could tell you what I'd like it to be. <laughs> <laughs> Would be Shit's Creek. But, um, but um, I don't know. 
enough where you'd like it to be. Yeah. Shit's creepy. I like, I, I like that. That would be cool. Yeah, I'm, in love, awesome. I'm in love with her. I'm just in love with the mom. So yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So that's all I have for questions for you today. Uh, and if you want to go online and check out all the links that are pertaining to uh, Dr. Franzen and the center for cancer counseling, please do on my website, www.livingwithscanxiety.org backslash show notes, and you'll see everything up there. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Living with Scanxiety. Please subscribe to hear more informative discussions like today's.